Welcome back to What the HR Podcast. I'm Jesse Novi, an HR business partner with CH Robinson. And I'm Mike Tool, HR technology consultant with SAP SuccessFactors. In today's episode, we're joined by Kaleem Clarkson. He is the chief operating officer of BlendMe Inc., a remote employee experience consultancy that helps startups and small businesses onboard, engage, and retain their remote teams. Kaleem has nearly 20 years of strategic operations and event planning experience. He helps leadership implement people operation solutions that increase productivity and engagement for both internal and external stakeholders. Kaleem was born and raised in Bangor, Maine, the home of Stephen King. He graduated from Worcester State University and has been featured in Harvard Business Review and named one of the top 15 remote work advocates and leaders by All American Speakers Bureau. As always, if you enjoy the episode, please take some time, leave us a review. We greatly appreciate it. Enjoy the episode. All right, Kaleem, welcome to the show. Hey, everybody. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it. You bet. Hey, uh, as an easy way of getting started, if you want to tell our listeners a little bit about you, your background, kind of what you're doing currently. Yeah, I'll, I'll try to give the abbreviated version. Of, I'm, I'm really long-winded, so I'm, I'm practicing to be more succinct. I am the COO, Chief Operating Officer of BlendMe Inc. We're incorporated in 2013, and we are a remote employee experience consultancy. So um, that's what we do. We've been doing this for a little while. A lot of people um, said, hey, you, you know, you had a lot of foresight, but there's plenty of other people out there that have been doing the same thing, too. So I don't like to, I don't like to take a lot of that credit. I like to spread the wealth a little bit, you know? Yeah. Like, it's something we were something we were trending towards and then got thrown into very quickly, you know, it's because of the, the pandemic, uh, you know, people act like they never worked from home before, but that's, that's not really the case. I'm, I'm curious to hear though, how it's progressed from when you started to now, you know, during pandemic, post pandemic, but just in general, even if we leave that aside, you know, what, yeah. What was happening in the workplace from a remote as- aspect that you saw, you know, over the past three to five years? Yeah, that, that's a great question, um, Mike. Because you're right, people have been doing this um, for a long time. And actually, this morning I, I, or yesterday, I posted a post on LinkedIn, and Jeff Robbins responded, and he is, uh, you know, him and, and Matt Westgate were the founders of. Or, you know, we're the founders of a company called Lullabot and they do a lot, you know, do a lot of high level web development. And I just responded and told him that, you know, thank, first off, thank you for commenting on my post and um, to let him know that they were an inspiration for us starting this, this company, because, you know, I, I happened to go to a, um, I'm, you know, by trade, I'm a front end engineer. I guess that's something, you know, some people don't know about me, but um, at that time, uh, 2012, DrupalCon 10 was the first time that I heard the term fully distributed. I'd never heard the term fully distributed. And uh, it was it was Matt Westgate's talk. So, um, you know, as far as for the pandemic, uh, I would say that, that the organizations that were going remote were, are, um, were doing that by choice, of course, right? And um, they were very intentional as to what they they needed to do to get it done successfully um so obviously you're seeing a lot of trends before the pandemic of of you know companies being fully distributed i think that there were a lot more 
people looking at being fully distributed at that time in that small space. And, and of course, the space was small. Um, but between the difference now, you know, you know, the difference between now and then is that, you know, you have a lot of organizations that that had to go remote by force. Mm-hmm. So it's definitely a different situation. What do you mean by fully distributed when you say that? Yeah, yeah. So fully distributed. Yeah, I want to do these terms because I feel like it's important for people to have <laughs> terms. We need to have terms because we're always talking about it. Yep. And I was actually just on uh, what's uh, Neil Miller Neil Miller's uh, the Digital Workplace podcast, and we we're talking about these definitions. So um, fully distributed or all remote is a company that uh, does not have a centralized workplace at all. Okay. There is no, there is no brick and mortar office. There is no centralized workplace, and they um, employees are allowed to work wherever they want, wherever they are most the most comfortable, and so that's fully distributed. Okay. So um, pre-pandemic, since that was yeah. something that happened that pushed everybody remote, it wasn't a choice necessarily. But but pre-pandemic, looking back. What was what was the reason that companies were starting to move more remote? Was it just a flexibility thing? Was it to try to be an employer of choice, or were there you know business aspects to making that decision as well? Yeah, another one. You're coming up with great great questions, man. I see you've done this before. Um, so so. <laughs> So I'm coming from the Drupal community, which is an open source website development tool, just like WordPress or Wix or something like that. So my where I'm coming from is a little skewed. I, I do have to say that. Um, so I'm coming from a technology, you know, digital digital uh, uh, workspace, right? For a lot of the companies in in, in that space, it was just talent. Um, it's very hard to find competent developers that that you can onboard and work with quickly. So, uh, I mean, you're in the Midwest. If you're a Drupal company in the Midwest or a web development company in the Midwest, there's only so many people. There's only so many people in that space. So, for a lot of the companies, it was all about we need to hire someone that can do this job, and we can't find anybody where our office is located. So for a majority of the companies that that you know I've we've kind of modeled some of our, our policies and procedures after, because geez, now we're going on what nine years almost, eight years. Um th- those were the, the driving driving forces. And then as time progressed, you know, they hired one person remote, then they hired a second person remote, then a third, and a fourth, and a fifth. And pretty soon they realized that their company was was more remote than not. And, you know, actually in Lullabot's case, I guess they just decided, why are we paying this 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 type of, of, you know, office space when nobody is actually there? So now it became more of a financial situation. And then the third option, I would say, um, in the startup space, a lot of the startups are just like, hey, we're bootstrapped already. We have to save every dime that we can. Yeah. So yeah, that, that, that makes sense. That's kind of where it is. So, so that kind of tells us a little bit about how we got to the remote workplace type things. But now, now that we we understand a little bit better, we've been doing it longer. You guys are helping companies to create better experiences for those remote employees. Uh, assume and and after you answer yes or no to that, but then what specifically are you working on 
with companies um, to make sure that their employees that are working remote are being effective and they're happy as well? Yeah. So to answer your question, you're absolutely correct. Blemmy Inc. It's plain and simple. We have startups and small businesses improve the remote employee experience. And the employee experience has been around for a while. It's well documented. You know, there's a whole bunch of different things that you have to fit in. But, you know, we were looking at something from the remote employee experience and, you know, we had to be cool. We created our own little, own little acronym called TREE, um, the remote employee experience. Someone's like, you better copyright that. What is it? TREE? um, Yeah, TREE. What does that stand for? The remote employee um, experience? Is that? Employee experience. Yeah. Yeah. So we actually have a, an assessment. So we develop an assessment and, you know, without going through all the phases, there's all sorts of things that fall underneath the employee experience, but the two pillar, um, you know, when we were trying to think through like, oh, how can we develop this tool to, to help us kind of evaluate um, how remote work is with another organization, you know, we were trying to think about, well, what is unique outside of you know, the general employee experience. And to be honest, let's let's just face it, like the employee experience, you should be doing all of these things no matter if you're co-located or whatever. But, right. but um, we felt like trust um, and responsibility were the first, kind of like the pillars that that are key for, for remote companies to, to be able to move forward. Um, trust, you have to be able to trust your employees and not just... You know, a lot of people say trust is earned. You know, you've heard that saying a million times, you earn the trust. But in this case, it's almost like you have to assume trust. It's a little bit, it's a little bit reversed. You have to assume that trust. Or else you're just going to be crazy, right? You're just going to, you know, try to, try to um, you know, monitor your employees. By the yeah. way, if you're a company that wants to improve your remote employee experience and you reach out to us and you say you have a monitoring software, we're not quite sure if we're the right fit for you. Um, because it just kind of goes against our, our, our the first pillar. So trust. Um, and then, you know, the, the, the employee has to trust the company that they're going to follow through on the things that they talked about during, you know, the interview process, what they read on the website, et cetera. Um, and then responsibility. Responsibility, it's the employer's responsibility to ensure that you know, all the employees have the right things and, and all the right development and all that stuff. And then from the employee's perspective, um, you have to take on the responsibility as an employee to ask questions when you, when, when you have questions, um, um, say when, you know, that you don't have access to resources and to, and to get the job done, right? Like, you know, the company's provided all of these resources and they've taken on the responsibility. Now it's your, you know, individual responsibility. So that's what we've created. We created um, Tree as, as, you know, our own little assessment there. And, you know, kind of to, to answer your question specifically, what are we working? What are we working on? Um, for the most part, right now, the biggest thing, and and if you have to take one thing away, you know, hybrid remote is the big talk right now. Kind of really tired of hearing that term all the time because no one really knows what it is. Hybrid remote? <laughs> yeah, yeah, hybrid remote. No one really knows what it is. There's so many variations of hybrid remote, um, but it's it's ensuring that your employees, um, that you're making data-driven decisions. Understanding that one solution does not fit for everybody. So it's really, it's critical. And um, if you were to ask any of the 
other remote work experts that are out there, that they're all telling you the same thing. You know, you have to, you have to, um, you know, get feedback from your employees. You have to survey your employees to get to gauge the level of flexibility that they need, why they want the flexibility. Um, you know, the best times that they're productive, the challenges that they're having while working remotely, like all of those things, you have to get some sort of bearings on before you can start planning your type of workplace flexibility options. So that's, those are the things that we're working on mostly. And, and is that, so you're, you're asking your employees these things and, and I hear this a lot, right? We got to ask what, you know, how do they work? The work-life integration, flexibility, uh, Jess, maybe she likes to work between seven and nine because that's when, you know, her kids go to bed or something, right? I'm just, I'm just making this up. But my question is once you understand what your employees need, how does that change what a company does? Well, it should change what a company does. Um, I think that's the big, you know, we're all in this HR space and I'm trying to use the word people operations more after. Um, because it is about your people. Mm-hmm. So, you know, to answer your question, I think if, if you are going to be competitive moving forward, um, you really want to take those things into consideration yeah, and actually build based on those, you know, those, those, those statistics and those recommendations. So is, um, Yeah. Yeah, I guess what, I what, your question, well, well, what I was getting at was <clears throat> everybody's going to work a little bit differently. So once you understand that, is that change then done through through managers and making sure that you know they understand to your point, like trust is is kind of there already. It has to be there already just because of how remote work is. Um, yeah. So if if understanding that employees work around different times, mm-hmm. is that are you helping companies do them? Do they go train managers to help them understand that, you know, people are working at different times. And I guess what I'm, I'm, I'm trying to figure out and I'm probably not working it very well, but when you do figure out what people need, because everybody needs something different, how do you then go about actually fixing it or accommodating those, those issues? Yeah. That's that's a lot. Yeah, yeah, preference. That's a, that's a that's a very difficult question to answer because you know it depends on like you know how how into it your your company is. Like if your company is brand new and you don't have any of these barriers and you're a smaller company, these trainings and these things can happen much much quick a lot right. more quickly. If you're a big organization, there's no way you can you can design a program that's going to work for everyone. You know, there's mm-hmm. somebody's going to be upset. So. As far as where that implementation happens, Mike, it's it's everywhere. It's not just the manager. Um, so let's just talk about the manager for a second. Let's just say we do this evaluation and the company decides we're going, I don't want to say the word hybrid again. So we're going to go fully distributed, okay? Because we're just going to sell off all our stuff. We're going to pull the Pinterest. We're going to sell our, we're going to pay that $91 million to break our lease in San Francisco and everyone's going to be. Right. So at that point, uh, managers are going to have to change. You know, some managers have been so used to the the tap on the shoulder management, the let me get you now. Um, I need you real quick. Uh, 
you know, that type of, of, of work we've relied on for years. But in the remote workspace, you can't do that. You have to be very intentional. So training training um, managers to work differently is, is a very important step. I would also say that employee evaluations need to also change. Um, you know, you, you probably need to shift more towards a, a development, uh, more of a coach versus, uh, you know, assess, what is it? Um, assessment versus evaluation, right? Like, how can we improve on you versus you scored an A, B, and C? Or how how much more did you um, develop yourself? Did you did you did you do professional development? And then how much how much better did you become as as a professional after that development? Like, mm-hmm. so I, I mean, there's just so much. And then from a CEO's perspective, you want to just talk about like the C-suite. You know, you just said you wanted to go fully distributed, um, but you're still going into the office every day you know, like into some office every day, like we'll just say a, a co-working spot and a few people go in with you. So so now you have to start with change there. So um, as far as how you implement that change, there's a lot of different things that, you know, that we would do. Like we, we, we firmly believe in employee resource groups. So creating an employee resource group with, you know, representatives from each department to help craft some of these Include procedures or policies to do that. Yeah, it definitely has to, has to be inclusive. Yeah. You can't you can't do these things um, in a leadership meeting and leadership just do that. And 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 then you're going to have to train train the employees to, to work better um, remotely. So yeah. um, there's a whole you know there's multiple levels that that you would have to kind of implement once you make those decisions from the data. Yeah, I would imagine that the solution changes with a lot of other, or just with every company. Yeah. Yeah. And kind of along those same lines, claim, you know, some of the things that I've been thinking about as you're chatting and maybe just using the example that you just talked about with a company making the decision to go fully remote. And this would be in a situation where the company wasn't always fully remote. They had brick and mortar offices at some point, Mm -hmm. you know, and now Mm -hmm. they've made the decision maybe due to COVID or, or other reasons to go fully remote, you know, some of the things that I've heard in um, in my community of HR professionals and frankly at the place of my current place of work is mm-hmm. how do we keep our culture alive? How there do we keep how do we keep the reason that people would get out of bed and you know want to come to work and be a part of the reason why we, you know, be a part of our mission and our values, if you will. So I would love for you to talk about that. Cause I imagine that's an incredibly popular question that your customers are asking you guys. Yeah. So I'm going to give you an answer. That's not most people probably aren't going to like, because it's, it's kind of like the situation where it's just the go-to answer, you know, like, like, and what I mean by that is, is, well, we can't, we can't go fully remote because we're going to lose the culture. Can you just even tell me what that means? Like, like, like to me, that's just an automatic, uh, I call that a block and bridge, you know, in political science, I have a political science colleague and she taught me about what a block and bridge is, you know, the press secretary of the United States, you ask, you know, that's what they do all day. You ask them a question, how's the weather today? Well, Jess, I love boating. And let me tell you why boating is great. Um, to me, I feel like the culture question is that natural block and bridge because unless you were a company, and of course, this is this is a huge generalization. Most companies are not measuring their culture. 
or even um, correctly articulating what their culture is like. So it's really, really difficult to do a comparison, but let's just make pretend that your company is awesome and um, they probably are awesome, by the way, shout out. Um, but let's just make pretend that you're this company, it's, it's one of the best place to work every single year. You have been measuring the culture. You've been doing all the things. You've been doing pulse surveys. You have these great retreats. I mean, you are the people operations employee engagement company at the, at the highest level. Well, if you're gonna transition to remote, if you are that type of company, you have thought about every step. You thought about your culture statement on the website. You thought about the onboarding process. You thought about your retreat. You thought about professional development. You thought about all of those things, hence why your company's already winning the awards, right? So back to your question, if you're gonna go remote, how are you going to duplicate that same thing that you were doing before? or you're going to duplicate the intentionality of it. And I think that's where people are getting lost. Everybody is right now saying, well, the, 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 the cool, the, what is it? The water cooler top, you know, the walk you to stop you in the hallway. Come on, just honestly tell me. Honestly, if there was a way, I wish it was a, a secret camera because most people would realize that that stuff happened very, very infrequently. Like, I'm just thinking about like when I used to have to go into the office every day. I mean, yeah, did we talk around the cool? Of course we did, but we're talking about maybe the game last night. And does that build um, relationships? Yes, that does. So if you're going to switch over to the remote space, you're now, as, a, as an HR professional, you now have to say, okay, well, we don't want to have Zoom meetings every single day because we don't want Zoom fatigue, but we need to schedule um, a retreat here. We need to schedule something here. We need to do this there. Um, so I would just say uh, you would just have to be an intentional. And again, most companies that are really, really, really good um, have already been intentional. So I kind of feel like the company that's great isn't going to have a problem because they're going to be like, oh yeah, yeah, we already have all those things in place. We already do all those things. So we're just going to, you know, some of them will do a little differently, but we already have like a pattern already built. We have a process. We think about it. We measure it. A majority of the companies are just going to say, well, what about our culture? Well, my answer is so far to people is like, well, what about your culture before? Can you provide me with um, your employee experience rating before the pandemic? Most of the time it's a no. Yeah. Um, so I, I don't know if I really answered your question like well enough, but mm -hmm. I would say that, that, that the, the answer, and I, and I hate using this word all the time because I can't think of another word. But it's just being intentional. You can no longer do that. That that you know. Let me tap you, tap you on the shoulder. And one one point that I have to make, and Mike's heard me talk about this all the time. Um, and it's important not to do a PSA. I know we're not filming. I mean, I know we're not showing video, but I'm looking into the camera for emphasis. <laughs> um, you cannot judge remote work during a pandemic. That is, you know, we should start every conversation with that statement because the things that we know what we've already known what the challenges of remote work were before the pandemic it's communication connections and loneliness mm -hmm. those are the those are the downfalls if you have to pick at remote work like there's nothing else to pick at it except for those right? right well before the pandemic you know what i did 
went to co-working spots and what. Went to meet up events in the evening. Love conferences. Went there all the time. So all of those things that you're talking about that are bad, that everyone's like, oh, I can't do this. Well, a lot of those things are alleviating. And then just look at it within the pandemic. Once school started opening back up, I guarantee you some of the, um, if you had surveyed some, some employees probably in what, last August, maybe, September, people would be like, I don't know about this remote work thing. This is really, really hard. <laughs> but I bet if you surveys those same people now who are able to, you know, send their kids to school, there would be a different, um, a different yeah. view of it. Yeah. So. Well, there, I mean, there's so much that if we were displaying our video, our listeners would see how much I'm nodding along here. And I, there were so many things that you just said that I would love to touch on, but I'm, I'm probably not going to remember or get to all of them, but a couple of things, and I might go off yep. on just a little bit of a tangent here. So give me some great tangents. We love tangents. Yeah. So, you know, a couple of the things that you were touching on specifically in regards to culture, and then this last point that you had made just about not judging a remote workforce during a pandemic, I think about as a business partner and somebody who supports leaders all over North America. So when I was previously in the office, I never connected with my leaders in person anyway. I was always connecting with them over the phone. And those were phone conversations. Those were never video conversations because we just didn't have that kind of built into our technology platform at the time, which I imagine will be built into our technology platform when we do go back to a hybrid or kind of what our new normal is. Um, but I would actually say that I feel more connected to my business leaders in this remote environment than I have previously because of the amount of video meetings that I am in Mm. per day. And additionally, to the point that you made about when kids are home, I feel like it's connected me and provided maybe encouraged more like empathy and sympathy within our culture for when, you know, there's an interruption from a small child or somebody says like, you know, gosh, I need some flexibility here today because my nanny can't come or my kid was exposed and, you know, he now, he or she has to now be home for a couple of days whatever the example is. And so I just think, gosh, if we had had that kind of empathy and sympathy for one another and supported each other in that way prior to the pandemic and or can continue to support each other that way after the pandemic, those are just general uh, kind of human needs that we Mm. all Mm. desire to have regardless of what is going on in our world and regardless of what's going on in our personal lives. So that's kind of just my little side tangent that a few things that I was thinking about as you were chatting. And then in terms of, you know, your comments on kind of, well, how were you measuring what culture was like prior to the pandemic? What was your listening strategy? Did you have a listening strategy? Um, what I was thinking about was really, to me, it comes probably back to more training and development specifically for people leaders. So if you, if you weren't maybe a strong people leader prior to the, prior to the pandemic and managing your employees in an actual brick and mortar setting, you're probably really struggling right now with your employees not being in the same space as you are. 
If you were a strong people leader in a brick and mortar setting, you're probably a little bit more successful than the other example that I just gave, but you probably could still use a few tools and resources to help you be even that much more effective, knowing that you can't just walk up to your employee's desk or grab a couple people off the floor and pull them into your office. Would you agree with that statement, Colleen? Yeah, I mean, I mean, you said a lot better than I did. I mean, your company better watch out. Someone's going to pick you up. I mean, <laughs> I mean, it was great. That was great. You're absolutely correct. And I've heard a few people talk about um, the, the, the connections. So what you were talking about was building connection. And the fact that you're seeing your CEO on a video, you may not be, you may not have the opportunity to speak to the CEO or C-suite at the high level because of the, the size of the call. But I think when we're talking about connections, loneliness is a real thing. We are a tribal species, right? We, we need these data. What happens is when you go to the office and you're interacting with someone over coffee and, and you know they're talking about the culture, you're just receiving data points all the time on this person. And it's like, oh, okay, well, Mike's hair looks great today. So he must be having a good day. You know what I mean? And, and uh, you know, he, he's wearing his... He's, he has a little, you know, pep in his step. So he's, you know, he's having a good day. Oh, you know what? I saw the pizza boxes out in the break room. Mike's hair is messed up. He was here all night pulling an all-nighter trying to get ready for that project. He's a hard worker. So you, you're getting all these data points. The thing that you said about more connected with your leadership, although it's on video, you weren't really seeing them. So we can still get some sort of you know, data points with them. So you're like, wow, I, you know, I'm seeing the CEO's house in the background. That's cool that he has that book or he has that thing on the background. And then the whole thing about like being interrupted. Yes, we are, we are shifting. And um, I think we're shifting towards uh, more, more focus on people, more focus on process and, 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 and perception. So it's like, yeah, when you see the cat that comes across, cause I love those interruptions. Like Yes, the kid interruptions are great too, but the, the pet interruptions are awesome as well. So I, I do feel like we are all very, um, a lot more easygoing and, and empathy. Empathy is a, is a great word and a great leadership trait. So I agree with you 100%. So I imagine that everybody being remote, Kaleem, it's recruiting looks a lot different these days. Can you talk about what you've seen uh, within recruiting? Yeah, for sure. So the first thing that, that we're seeing is that prior to the pandemic, some of these all remote companies or fully distributed companies had a huge advantage. And it was a perk. That was one thing that they were doing really marketing as a fully remote job. And they were really um, at that at that advantage. Now that everyone's kind of, you know, remote right now you're starting to see that kind of level out. And what I've noticed really on the recruiting side is that some people are posting the job as remote for now, I saw. I've seen that, remote for now. That just makes me really uncomfortable. I mean, as as a potential applicant, if I see that, I'm kind of like, well, what does this mean, remote for now? I mean, obviously, we know what it means. It means you're going to be remote for now. Yeah. At some point we're going to ask you to move is right. how is how right. I read it. Exactly. Exactly. So as far as, you know, how that is going to play out, you know, I just don't know 
what employers are expecting people to do. You know, like, okay, well, I'm going to take this job, but when you go, when you recall, when you bring everybody back into the office, I'm not quite sure if, if I want to do that. The other thing that we're seeing, and, and this is just kind of the, the another advantage to remote work, is that we're seeing some organizations decide to not even post, um, like, their location. Like, you can work as long as, you know, obviously for some, you have to be in the United States for, you know, we're in the U.S., we're U.S.-centric podcasts for some of you international folks out there. But, but you know, a lot of people are posting, we can, you can work from wherever. So that whole process of interviewing and recruiting, um, I know that the culture page, the whole, the whole culture page is definitely moving its priority up. People are going to the, the, the company's website and trying to view trying to get an idea of what it's like to be at the company. So I feel like that culture page and your culture statement are a lot more important in that recruiting process. I've heard of one company, um, geez, I'm trying to blank on the, the name of the company right now, but they've created kind of like this, this on not onboarding, but more of a, a, of a test or you shoot a video talking about your, your, your interview is a video and it's not a, um, like a resume, and then you kind of go through um, course number one, and it's about the company, and it's like, are you a fit for this? And then you go, it's almost like they're testing you to see if you're a good fit ahead of time. So so I feel like um, I'm seeing a, a lot of location lists and remote now, but in the whole um, recruiting process, in that kind of hiring process, we're seeing a lot more um, focus on you know, talking about what it's like to work at the company, you know, for the smaller companies to that had that advantage was the pandemic and the move to remote for everybody. Did that, did that hurt those companies? Because now they were competing with some of these large global companies that had much deeper pockets and to go grab that talent. Well, I mean, obviously time will tell, because it's still kind of early. Um, a lot of those companies who were small probably needed to add more people and it wasn't a situation of, of subtracting because they were already you know, prepared and, and set. But yes, to answer your question, Mike, I think, yes, that will be a challenge for some of these, these companies in that space. When you have a, a larger company, let's just talk about insurance or something like that. When you have you know, a, a large insurance company that just makes a huge announcement, like everyone's remote, then you had a local regional insurance company that was remote already. Yeah, there's gonna be there's gonna be some 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 challenges for some of these small small businesses. There's no yeah. doubt about that. It seems like the advantage was taken away. I mean, I I, yeah. I remember yeah. five six years ago people saying, "Well, I you know it's a little less pay, but I get to work from home. I don't have to commute." Mm-hmm. That's gone now. I mean, no, maybe not gone. for every company forever, but in the in the you know next foreseeable future. Uh, it's it's no longer an advantage for those companies. So is, no, is there no. something that companies are going to have to do now to stand out in the remote work world? It used to be we offer remote work and that's cool. Now it's, now what? Yeah, I think, you know, that's a, that's a, that's a great question too. So, so to kind of go back a little bit, I believe, I'm hoping that we have kind of changed the idea of, of, of where work gets done. And 
workplace flexibility, I believe, is going to be an expectation, not a perk. Like after this, like it's going to be like, well, what do you mean I can't? Like, what do you mean I can't work from home and not take a sick day? You know, like my daughter has to come home early. What are you talking about? I work from home. Like, what are we on? 14 months now. So I, I, I just don't know like what, how organizations are going to, how they're going to do that. Um, yeah. I, I just feel like it's going to be an expectation for the companies to kind of stand out. I think it's going to be more about the culture. I think it's going to be more about work-life integration. How much flexibility are you going to offer? What does that look like? Can I actually live anywhere? Because there's, there's all sorts of levels of, of remote work and levels of flexibility. You know, some people, will say, yeah, you can work from home five days a week, but you have to live in New York State or you have to live, you know, you have to be able to drive in for a regional meeting within four hours. I know some companies have, you have to live within four hours of, of their regional office so that if we have a all hands-on, you can drive there. So I, I think a lot more is going to be focused on people. I just, I, 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 I'm, maybe I'm in this space and I'm jaded, um, but I just feel like organizations have realized how important um, work-life integration is for, for people. Yeah, I, I tend to agree more. Jess, you have a question? Yeah, not really a question, but more just kind of to build on to the statement that you had made, claim, and really just on the topic of how this remote work environment could benefit and or maybe be a disadvantage for some employers based on their situation. But I think about, you know, a a large organization that has offices, um, you know, spread out throughout North America, and maybe some of those locations have been in less than desirable cities, you know, where it's really hard to find good talent. I think about Mm -hmm. what an advantage it would be to be like, hey, you don't have to, I, I can't think of a like a armpit of a city right now that I wouldn't want to live I'll in. Don't do that. Let's not do that. Let's not do <laughs> yeah, that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not saying nothing to you, New Jersey. I'm not saying that. <laughs> There's beautiful places in New Jersey. Yeah, I'm not saying nothing it's... bad. Or Detroit. Detroit has nice places. I'm not, I'm not <laughs> saying those are bad cities at all. Yeah. Well, thank you for saving me from getting some like nasty emails or LinkedIn messages from listing somebody. Right city by accident. So, so anyway, it was, it was really just more of kind of a point of the advantage and, and, you know, hopefully some of these employers that maybe have a narrow-minded view about all of the benefits that come with this kind of flexibility are thinking about these kinds of things specifically, you know, the example that I just gave. Yeah. And one last thing on recruiting before, if if we're going to transition to onboarding, I know we can be long-winded here, but, um, obviously with the verdict that just came out recently, right? Inclusion and diversity is not going away. Mm-hmm. Like we're not moving backwards. Like, you know, we've been moving forward, although some of the things have been a little or very uncomfortable and very unfortunate. We are moving forward. And organizations are realizing that, you know what, this inclusion and diversity thing is actually a real thing. And it's 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 a strategic advantage. Mm-hmm. Um, just yesterday, um, today is the I don't, Wednesday, April twenty first. But just yesterday, the Los Angeles Raiders sent out a ridiculous tweet saying, "I can breathe after the verdict." After the verdict. Now, you know, since then they've come out and said, "Look, you know," the owner said, "I I tweeted it," and and uh, you know that that was actually. You know the 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 brother 
um, of George Floyd said that, and that's why I tweeted that. And so, but at the same time, and I've talked about this before, as far as the business case with diversity, if you would have had a more diverse team that kind of was going to stop you from tweeting out or something, I'm not saying that the team isn't diverse. I have no idea. But in a general statement, the more diversity you have on your team, the less chance these chances, these blunders are going to happen. Mm-hmm. So as far as recruiting goes, back to you know your, your, your kind of point, Jess, of, as, mm-hmm. as far as not being restricted to your location, I'm originally from Maine. Maine is the whitest state in the country. Mm. So for Maine, for a company in Maine to have a diverse workforce, it's almost impossible. They're like 98% white. Like, be realistic on the situation. Right. How are they going to have, you know, where are they going to pick from? Now what we're seeing is we're seeing an opportunity for more diverse, a more diverse applicant pool in the mm-hmm. recruiting process. So yeah. Thank you for thank you that. for adding that in because that was kind of a sub bullet of kind of what I was thinking. Cause oftentimes too, when you think about maybe like a more remote type of community, um maybe there are exam, you know, examples in Maine, for example, you know, in those types of situations, your pool does tend to be a lot less diverse. And if, you know, you are a company sitting in that location and maybe you only have one small college to recruit from and like, there are no other large, you know, corporate players in that area that you would want to recruit your employees from, it just becomes really limiting for for what you're able to hire uh, from a skill set perspective, but certainly from a diversity perspective as well. So thank you for making that point. And yeah. so I, I know that we, we have to wrap here soon, but I, I want to ask, what are companies going to do when half of their workforce has to be on site and the other half can be remote? Have you seen that? Is that causing some issues? I'm thinking like a manufacturing company yeah. that also has yeah, a different equities. Yeah. Right. I mean, as an employee, mm-hmm. I don't know mm-hmm. how I feel that I have to show up here, punch a clock from eight to five. Is Are there going to be changes in flexibility around being on site? Do you imagine? Yeah. So that's, that, that is a very, um, like when you're doing your assessment, it's critical that you define the roles that are going to, that have the flexibility and why, like, don't forget the why. So a receptionist, geez, I don't even like that term anymore. Um, an admin, an executive assistant who has to answer the phone. If they're like, why can't I answer this phone from home? And they're like, well, we just need you at the face. That's not a good answer. You know, that's not a good reason, but for, let's use manufacturing, for example, or a construction company. Let's go to construction because that's pretty simple. For construction, they, they have to work on the job site. Um, I don't think, for the most part, even in like factories or like products, I don't think people who are working on the factory line have a, like a really good legitimate argument as to why they need to be at home. I mean, you have to be realistic. I think yeah. that's the other problem. We, we, we sometimes... As, as as being in America, we go so far in one direction. You have to be intelligent about the assessment. Like you can't make cars from your house, but the manager, the, the the marketing manager, obviously doesn't need to drive into the office. So, you know, I was in higher ed before, and I think we all sometimes get caught up. A, everyone doesn't need to make the same amount of money, even if you're in the same position. 
we definitely disagree with that because that means you're you're incentivizing your poor employees. No, you don't do that. Everyone doesn't have to get paid the exact same amount of money for the same job. That's not, I feel like that that's a false narrative. Mm-hmm. Um, so in higher ed, I could be doing the same thing, but this other person got their PhD and they're making six figures. Well, you know what? They went and got their PhD. Only 1% get their PhD. They deserve to get paid more. Like, like that's just the reality of the situation. I don't have my PhD. So, um, you know, kind of to answer that question, if, if you are not defining, and that's why you have to go through that process, if you're not writing down which positions can work remotely and, and the flexibility that they have, and then the big one is the why. And if that why is not a solid why, like, oh, well, we, we just need you here because you're the face of the office and you're the first face that people see. Well, are, are, how many faces are coming in? Have we even assessed that? <laughs> so well, so anyway. <laughs> I love that answer. So, I mean, so what I heard is common, be common sense for positions where it's like, we, we know you have to be here. But you're right, though. There are a lot of roles that are probably required to come in where in their mind, they're like, I don't have to be here. So as a company, if you don't have a really good reason why, then mm-hmm. you should consider their request and and being flexible with that. Yeah. Lawyer paralegal is a great example. A lot of lawyers want to be back in the office. You know, we spoke at the Association for Legal Administrators. A lot of lawyers and attorneys want everyone back in the office so that their para, you know, their paralegals can do the things that you know for them that you know that they weren't doing. Well, it's like, well, why why do they need to be in the office? Because Absolutely. I mean, they're literally pushing paper. So in, the, in that situation, there is no real uh, business case for that person having to sit in the office except for power and control. Mm-hmm. Well, this this has been great stuff, and I look forward to catching up with you again as this progresses. Remote work is somewhat new; it's not you know completely new, but I see a lot of changes coming, and we'll look forward to having you back. Can you tell everybody listening how they can get a hold of you if they want to learn more? Yeah, definitely. I'm Colleen Clarkson everywhere. So K A L E E M C L A R K S O N. That's Twitter, LinkedIn. I do a little Instagram, and then Blemmy Inc. Hey, go to our website, blendmeinc.com. So we have a free tree assessment that you can fill out. It's free. There's nothing, doesn't cost you anything just to kind of see and you get a little grade um, back to determine how your remote employee experience is. So. Very cool. We'll so put all those links. Yeah, we'll put all the links in the description. Clem, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you. Thank you all. Have a great day. <laughs> you too. Later. Bye. Thank you for listening to this episode of What the HR. If you want to hear more episodes like this, be sure to subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, or whatever platform you're listening through now. If you enjoyed the podcast, do us a favor and share with your network, your boss, or your CEO. Help us get this podcast in front of anyone who wants to know what HR looks like when done well. Also, if you have any questions for show topics or people you'd like us to interview, please email Mike and I at podcast at tcsherm.org. That's podcast at tcsherm.org. If you want to find out more about Twin City Sherm or our upcoming events, please visit our website at tcsherm.org. You can also follow us on LinkedIn, Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. And finally, if you're not already a member of Twin City Sherm, please use code WHATTHEHR at checkout to receive $20 off your membership. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next episode. 